Not all ideas for this program are mine. Many an interesting edition broadcast has been as a result of a suggestion from you, the listeners to the program. And this evening is such a case. On a recent visit to Castletown Bear, taxi and bus service proprietor Dennis Regan informed me that he had just the man for the program and how right he was. So, a few days ago, Dennis transported me to the home of Vincent, or Vincey Harrington, who lives in the townland of Gower, just a few miles west of the town of Castletown Bear. The very first thing that strikes you when you arrive here is the view, although Vincey would later tell me that his late mother often said that you can't live in scenery. She was right, of course, but you can enjoy it while you do your best to live. Any day of the year, regardless of weather conditions, and from this house, you are presented with a view which would be difficult to experience elsewhere. Now, normally, at this point of the program, I give you some idea of what you can expect to hear. But on this occasion, I'll dispense with that, because to do so would take up half of the program. So, let's get straight into it. I'm John Green, and you're very welcome to another edition of Where the Road Takes Me. Ask for Vincent Harrington on the Barra Peninsula, and you will probably get a puzzled look. There are hundreds of Harringtons here, but ask for Vincey Gower, and directions to him will be almost immediate. Vincey was born on July 20th, 1938, in Castletown Bear Hospital. His mother returned with her newborn son to this house immediately afterwards, and he has lived here since. There are 14 houses here now, but back then there were three, Neils, Baldry's, and Harrington's. Vincey's mother was the youngest in a family of nine. Most, if not all, of the remaining eight opted for emigration. Her brothers Timmy and Paddy were in the IRA and were part of the unit that burned Dunboy Castle not far from here on the night of June 8, 1921. Timmy was later one of a group of 60, the first to join the Gardaí. And there were mostly Catholics that hindered the RACs came out. And his first job was above the Phoenix Parks. There was no Temple Moor that had no training college like they have now. The Phoenix Park for six weeks and they had no radios, they had no squad cars, a baton and a bicycle and a uniform, that's all they had. And his first station was Tourna Fuller in Newcastle West. Five guards and a sergeant in the station. And every morning he had to go up to a farm up the road and get milk for all the families. That was his job. He had a big drum hanging in the bar of the wife. He said, they often went up in the morning and the farmer wouldn't have the cows milked. They had 40 cows. Farmer and his wife milked him all by hand. There was no electricity, so everything was done by hand. He was there for a number of years and then he was moved to Patrick's Well. He got married there. He married Mary Daly. She was an aunt of Anthony Daly, the herder. And he was 42 years in the guards. He retired after 42 years. My mother here then, she, she was here all her life. She went, to, she went to boarding school in Killarney. Her eldest brother went out to Butte, Montana, mining. Where a lot of Barry people went. Yeah. Yeah. Barry people, yeah, mining. And he was there. He left here on the HMA, 1910. And there was two, Jerry, Jerry, he was a cousin next door here. The house is gone now. He went with him and Mike Murphy and other Mike, there were our Murphys. They stayed in New York. And he went on to Booth, Montana. And he was there until 1923. And his sisters, they were only teen, young kids when he left here. They'd moved out to Los Angeles now. He had later remembered them. So he decided he was going to come home. And he wrote to my grandfather to mean that out for a good farm. He had money. And he said he'd go and see his sisters before he come home. So he went out to Los Angeles and he was outside the church in Los Angeles. He met all the relatives there and he was outside the church and he met this man. He was from Kerry. 
And he asked him, where was he going? He told him, he said, I'm going back home to Ireland to go farming. He said, I was in Butte, Montana for so many years. So he said, I'm looking for a crowd to go down to South Texas. There was a severe drought in 1923, and he was a Scottish rancher. He had 60,000 cattle, and he had no grass or no water, and he wanted to move the cattle from one part of the state to the to the desert, to burned out where he was. He talked him into going, he went off with him. And he disappeared in South Texas, and he was he never seen or heard of since. And his money was drawn out of the bank. His money was drawn out of the bank. A false signature. He never had her no more. 1923. I never found out who drew it out. Never. Yeah. He was probably killed for his money or... They had made all kinds of inquiries to trace him, and they couldn't, there was nothing direct, and he was killed, he was killed for his money, he was buried, and my father, he was, went to America then, he served his time in a race cross, he served his time as a blacksmith for five years, and he went up to Coatsford for another 12 months, and in 1923, he went to America, and he worked in a foundry there, he was all through the depression, he said there were men, thousands of men walking the streets, nobody could get a job, and it was in the foundry he worked, but he said the heat was killing, and he was there until 1931, he came home, and he came home on holidays, and he had a cousin back the road here, and he made a match with my mother. And, and that was it? That was it. He was here. He was married to my mother for 50 years. Just like his grandmother, Vincy's mother also gave birth to nine children. Vincy was in the middle, and his sister Mary was the eldest. She went to England first, and she qualified as a nurse. And then she went out to New York, Rockaway Beach in New York. And she got married there, and she had twin girls. They're in their 60s now there. And uh, she died suddenly three weeks after the Twin Towers. I went out to the funeral, we were the only time in America. And my brother Frank went to Manchester. He married, he had a big family in Manchester. All his family are still there. He's buried in Manchester. My brother George was in college in Galway and he left Galway and he went working for ESO in Manchester. And he went from the office in, in Manchester down to London and he was 42 years with ESO. He retired and he's down in Kilkenny now. Teresa went to America then. She was in Manchester when I went there. And she went out to the States as well. I had several aunts out there and an uncle. And she was there for a number of years. And she came home in 1965. And she met up with Jando Taylor on a dance. And she married Jando. And they were married 50 years. She's in Ross, she did in Ross McKeown over there. I was next. George was in Kilkenny. I was next. I was in the middle. And John was next to me. John is he's up in Cork now. He's in hospital at the moment. Now he's, he's two years younger than me. Brendan is married down in Bannerspital in Kinsale. And she lives in Ballancolic. Her family, they are all around her, yeah. She was the youngest. Unfortunately, and as well as providing a living, the sea can also be ruthless. And here on the Barra Peninsula, it has claimed many lives. Vincy's brother Jim was one of those many victims to the sea, lost off the shoreline and not far from the front door of this house. The 9th of February, 88. His body was never found. And his, his son now, his youngest son, Mike, he's the dude in the farm here. He's fishing a boat for Neil Minahan. He's way out in the Pocahontas Bank now. He was the youngest. Jim got lost. My brother Jim got lost on the 9th of February, 88. He was married with three kids. And they searched for days and weeks. And we found his cap. His cap was washed ashore after three days. And they searched high and low, up and down, south of Bear Island, up as far as the Crow, day after day. And myself and Vincent Moratti, John Dee had to carry, he needed a trawler. He was his brother now. They found nothing. Yeah, that was 88. And my mother died that year as well. He died in February and she died the 8th of December. Same year. After his parents married, Vincy's father could see the writing on the wall for blacksmiths. The motor car was beginning to make an appearance which would signal the end of use for the horse. After turning his hand to farming, Vincy's father eventually got a job with the council. 
he used to shoe horses and the place was full of blacksmiths at him because it was all horses. And then the tractors came in and once the tractors came in, that finished the horse. The forges were, they didn't have the worker and there was blacksmiths everywhere. They were all over the place. He decided to join the council and he joined the council. The first week of May, 1948, himself and Neely Billy the tomb, the same day. And there were friends from battle the day, the day of the tomb. They were, they were supporting Lingarov and Jeremy Harden was a ganger and they used to stop in every pub. They didn't, they didn't miss any pub from Lingarov to town. They'd stop a Morris Minor, Jeremy Harden had a Morris Minor and my father had another one the same was traveled together there was, he was that way he was 28 years he retired in and he died in, in 1981 he was almost 86 yeah my, my age now yeah where you are here Vince then is uh, there's a border here between the parish of Castletown and Allihys just back here now I'm bounding Allihys down to Pauline that's the boundary the river is the boundary going down and uh the town parish finishes here. I'm all one. I'm all one, yeah. First house in the parish. Yeah, we're the end of the line here. And the RIC used to come here and meet? Outside the road here, there's park. The RIC come from town and they come from Allihys and they put their bikes up against the fence and they didn't go beyond that. They'd have a chat and then they'd cycle back to Allihys and there were three guards in Allihys at him. There were three in, in a sergeant and two, two constables in Allihys. I don't know how many was in town, but I'd say there might be more, maybe four or five in town. And where did you go to school then? Cattle Garrow down the road. Padraig Shea was teaching us. May Power, Colin Powell's mother, she was there the whole time, and Frank Harrington. Mary Shea was there, Father Sean's sister. She married Frank Harrington after. She was there for a while. I think Padre Shea got sick. He got sick, and he was offered a bit, and Frank Harrington came there. And that time, when women went on mater- teachers went on maternity leave, they had to pay another teacher to stand in for them. There was no such thing as maternity leave that time. Yeah. So I was there till 1953, and I was cutting turf up in Pena. I had done a bit of everything after leaving school, and I went away to England. My brother Frank came home from Manchester in 1958. I went over, I was 11 years in England, and I came back six weeks before Christmas, 1968, and I'm here since. I went back a few times, and I'm here since. The Irish Lights were good employers in Beira at the time, and Vincey eventually got employment with them. He didn't have to travel too far for his first job, just across the harbour from where he lived to the west end of Bear Island, where Ardnakilla Lighthouse is situated. We worked at that myself in Jandini. I had a small boat and we used to go in every day and there was nothing under the tower in the west end of Bear Island, Ardnakilla, the picture of there, you can see it there. And uh, it was built 180 years and it was never lit. The time the calf rock fell, they were ready to put a dome on top of the one in the harbour's mouth, Ardnakilla. They abandoned it in, they finished the calf rock, they put the calf rock light on the, on the bull. And they never lit until it was over 100 years before they lit it. So we put a dome on top of it. And when we had the dome on top of it, we left in. Engineers came in and they, they bought a line of poles from, from Lana Gaelic, west over the hill, and lit the tower and put the engines in it. And I went to the fashionist in. I was in the fashionist in. The helicopter pads were coming in then. We knocked the black tower in the fashionist, myself and Mick Owen, John Dinney, and Jimmy Cavanagh. Jimmy Cavanagh's grandfather built the fashionist. It was his grandfather. Well, he was his grandson who was with us. And uh, he's dead a few years now, but we knocked the black tower and we leveled it out and we built we built a store and the helicopter pad was on top of the roof of the store. I went to the Skelligs after that then. Same story again, up to the Skelligs. And they were drawing gravel from Cork. The iron used to go up to Cork and Johnny Woods used to bring 300 tonne down to the docks in Cork in bags. The blue bags were gravel and the white bags were sand. And they'd load them in the iron and they used to bring him up. They would hand Derricks in the, in the skeletons at him. Two big handles, two men on either side, winching it up. Half a ton in each lift, inside in a, a cargo net. And we landed every bit of that. It was hard work. Well, there was two or three or four. You'd be, you'd be a long time getting half a ton up. Patsy Sear was a coxswain. He was from Bear Island. They were all from Bear Island. They had two cutters in. They'd, they'd be loading one cutter outside in the ship while they'd be in unloading another one. And they were running back and forth. 
we landed all the stuff there then, and uh, the next thing, the, hel- the helicopter. I never had a trip in the helicopters. I was going to ask you that about the ship. The ship was the IRNA at the time. The IRNA, yeah. 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 And there was 40 men aboard her. Yeah. And two, two boys. Great employment for Castledown Bear. Oh, yeah. They, they were only out from Berend. Yeah. I'd say three quarters of them were from Berend. And I think there's only two left now. Gerald Rappen, I think, and, and uh, Tony Crowley. There's only two left out of the... They're all gone. And all the gang that was with me, they're all gone. None of them alive. John Dinney, Mickey Owen was with me. But we were out of the fashionet, and they sent down two fitters from Dublin. And the black tower, it was made of cast iron. It was round like that, round so like a dome, the top of a lighthouse. And the metal, it was cast iron, but the metal was an inch thick. And they tried winches, chain blocks, everything you could think of. They couldn't knock it. They tried everything. And John Dini said to me, there's only one thing. Put off a blast around it, and they couldn't blast it because it was too near the tower. John said, we'll try breaking it. So myself and Mick Owen went up on top of it. We got two ladders, went up on top of it. And we started flaking with two sledges. And Mick broke, we had only two sledges. Mick broke the handle. We weren't long on top of it. The handle split up the middle. And we had only one sledge in. And I stayed at it for about half an hour anyway. I was half an hour flaking it. And eventually a crack came in one of the plates. And it worked from there. We baited it all to pieces. It was like, it was the smallest. The book in front of me there. We threw it all down the cliff. And when we got down to the bottom, nobody could understand how it stayed there. But when they were building it, they cut a channel in the rock like that, a round channel, and so they were a foot and a half deep and a foot wide. And they put a big anchor chain into it, like you were the light ships. Mm-hmm. They put a big anchor chain into it and poured concrete around it, and the plates in the tower were bolted onto it. The sea used to come up and roll over it, and they wouldn't be cracking it after all. The sea used to run over it. Nobody could understand how it stayed there. It was bedded down into the rock, that's so it was below the level of the... That's how it stayed there all the years. It was all thrown down the cliff to anyone. They built a new one, helicopter pad in. After Ardnakilla and the fastnet in Cork, it was further afield from Vincy, on this occasion to Kerry and to the Skelligs. I came ashore from the Skelligs, finished the helicopter pad. Kerry and Donald playing in the Island final. It was out in September, and I was never in the Skelligs since. But the, the lighthouse then was closed off in the automatic light in the... They had solar panels and everything, then engines took over then, no keepers, but the tourists were still going, but they blanked off the road. There's a mile of a road in the Skellings, a mile from the landing up to the, the, the lighthouse. They closed that off because there was too many tourists, and there was items above, and the uh, people took them away for souvenirs, things that was three and four hundred years old, carvings and everything, rock carvings, and there were stuff the monks had. So they closed it off, and everything that was there was brought into the, the lighthouse, which was the boardwalks, which was the boardwalks that... Uh, they owned the monument above to they were the other the slides had nothing to do with it. Belong to the board of walks. I was never in the skiddies after that. Vincy Harrington from Gower in Castletown Bear is my guest on the programme this evening. And there are more lifetime stories from him in part two shortly. <laughs> <laughs>